Hello everyone, I'm Chris Phelps, your host for Indie Combat. This is a weekly show where I chat about the world of WWE, MMA and bit of boxing. Each week I'll review or preview each sports relevant events, some classic matches and a topic of the week. This is Indie Combat. Right, welcome everyone to another episode of Indie Combat. I'm your host Chris Phelps. Thank you again for tuning in. This week's a bit of action-packed, actually. A bit of wrestling stuff, retro section again, and we've got some boxing and MMA news as well. So I'll keep you up to date with what I know. I may do some boxing and MMA stuff as well in the retro section and actually vary each week, I think, just for some of the boxing fans out there and MMA fans as well. And If there's anything you want me to review in the world of boxing or MMA Give me a shout and I'll get my researchers' glasses on and my thinking hat on and I'll get to work, guys. I'm, I'm open to whatever you suggest. So please contact me and I'm available on Twitter at ChrisPhelps78. That's P-H-E-L-P-S. So it's ChrisPhelps78 on Twitter. So we'll start off with the wrestling today. A couple of things over the weekend. The ladies WrestleMania 35 match is ramping up. So Charlotte is supposed to be fighting against Ronda Rousey, ex-UFC ladies champion, bantamweight champion. Rousey's the champion. We've got Becky Lynch, the Irish girl I mentioned, who's got this whole the man slogan stroke gimmick that's got going on. Everyone seems to be getting behind her. Like I say, it's very much a 2019 version of Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's one of them. Charlotte's come in. They're going triple threat match. Do you think it might be more down to Ronda Rousey? Can she carry the main event at WrestleMania? It's looking like the women's one will co-headline and show it should. The great athletes. I'm just not sure if I'm convinced by the storyline, not the wrestlers. They're all great wrestlers, all three of them. It's just what's going to happen. So we've had some backwards and forwards. Couple of run-ins from Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch is supposedly hurt a knee now, which is all part of the storyline. She's on crutches, so she's not going to make the match. So they have this whole controversy now. The underdogs. So I think it's pretty certain that Becky Lynch is going to win the title at WrestleMania off Ronda because she's going to take over adversity and you know get the belt off this unbeaten champion in Ronda Rousey. So we'll just see how that one goes. Now, this weekend, it's been a bit of controversy, actually, with the WWE. One of the commentators, a guy called Corey Graves, he's actually an ex-wrestler. He wasn't a very good wrestler. He's a guy's covered in tattoos, if you ever see him. He's got, like, a millennial haircut, the sort of slick, slick back haircut, very similar to mine, but without the grey, obviously. I've got a bit of grey there now. Sides, like number one, number zero. But he's covered in tattoos. He's, he's quite an unusual character. He's not a bad commentator. He gets a lot of stick online, but I don't mind him. But his wife has now come out on Instagram and said that he's been having an affair with one of the divas, Carmella, or one of the lady wrestlers. And Carmella, well, if you believe his wife and the Instagram post, it's caused a lot of problems with the WWE and with him. So we'll see how that plays out. But it's definitely not a storyline. So that's caused a lot of controversy over the weekend. So I'll keep me ear to the ground on that one. Everyone likes a bit of a soap opera with this sort of stuff. And in a bit of a surprising turn, really, The Undertaker is scheduled to do a couple of events in a few weeks. And the non-WWE events, they're sort of like these comic cons or wrestler events. And he's going to be there talking and, and just basically not really being the Undertaker, even though he is the Undertaker. And, and there's a lot of rumours that he has officially retired now, so there's not going to be a WrestleMania 35 match. This appearance is also 
in the same vicinity in Las Vegas that AEW first event he's on and there's all controversy saying he's going to turn up there but I don't think he is he's a WWE company man he always has been he's good friends with Vincent man one needs the other as you know and all that I just don't think it's going to happen so people are speculating he's going to turn up in another promotion but that's just simply not correct the only way he'd turn up in another promotion if he wasn't the undertaker and he he's so that to death now after 30 odd years there's no way he could be anybody else but the undertaker so We'll see on that. Now, forgive me on this, guys, please. But I'm a big fan of some of the WWE programming that is available. It's actually on E! And it's one that follows the ladies. And it was called originally Total Divas. Me and Sam, my wife, quite happy to sit there, watch it, watch the sort of fake reality stuff, the arguments and bitching that goes on between the girls and the families and, the, you know, the husbands and wives and stuff like that. We're really into it. We're into a called Total Bellas, which follows the Bella twins. Now, Nikki Bella's been in the news over the last seven, eight months because she was John Cena's ex-partner, fiance. He actually proposed to her at WrestleMania 33. There was big rumours they were going to get married, but that's all fell by the wayside. They've actually split up now, sort of mid part of last year. Really sad, really, I suppose, if you believe in the stories. We don't know the full story, obviously, but... It's all played out in the press and it's gotten both big PR, mainly her more than him. And yeah, we watched this one called Total Bellas. Now, Daniel Bryan's in it because he's married to Brie Bella, the, the other twin sister. They've got a little girl called Birdie and we, we watch it every, well, when it's on, we watch it every week. But he's not a bad watch, actually. People might think, oh my gosh, it's like, you know, you get the Kardashians with the fake reality stuff and all this stuff set up for him to go and do but this is actually stuff yeah there's a few things i think set up but it's actually more watchable so if you are into that sort of thing and i'm ashamed to say at four years old most of the stuff i watch is reality stuff and i know it's not really reality because i have done tv stuff and worked on productions and that and done extra work and things like that and you'd be absolutely amazed about what stuff set up and i'm looking at you x factor and Britain's Got Talent because a lot of them people are not actually real or they're not actors or some of the talent because I was, I was involved in that a long time ago and know people who were asked to go on these shows for money. So anyway, this, this yeah, this probably is a bit set up, but it, it's something, it's quite light-hearted and it's something to watch. So if you do get a chance, it's on E! on Sky and Virgin and it's called Total Divas, which follows a lot of the divas and then Total Bellas. And then also to note, if you're a wrestling fan, there's a film coming out the 27th of February, which follows Paige, who's the English wrestler from Nottingham. And that's been made by Seven Books Productions, which is the Rock's um, production company. So it's following her life from Nottingham, or Norwich, sorry, Nottingham, Norwich, where... She became a WWE diva stroke wrestler. So that's a really, really interesting thing. And I've seen the trailer. It looks really, really good. And, and the film's actually called Fighting With My Family. So it's a really, really good thing. It looks really good, actually. So get on to it, guys. And The Rock is actually in it. Stephen Merchant written and directed it. And he also plays one of the family members as well. So Stephen Merchant's class. So really into that. Right, so retro section is one of the, again, I like to pick out these sort of drama-based, demanding situations that 
anyone who's into wrestling will know it's eerie defining. And this week I've gone for Hell in the Cell. And you might think, Hell in the Cell, Chris, what are you talking about? Hell in the Cell, The Undertaker v. Mankind, which has one of the most iconic moments in wrestling ever. Up there with Hogan's Slam, as we mentioned, all the other stuff we've, we've done in the retro section. But this is where The Undertaker threw Mankind, a.k.a. Mick Foley, a.k.a. Dude Love, a.k.a. Cactus Jack, off the top of Hell in the Cell. And it defined the Hell in the Cell matches. So I'll take you back to King of the Ring, June 28th, 1998, at the Civic Arena in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And this was a match between the two. Now, Mick Foley or Mankind had come in and he was terrorising The Undertaker. So straight after WrestleMania 12, this guy comes in, starts interfering in Undertaker's matches. He's ambushing Undertaker at different opportunities. He's wearing like a brown sort of muzzle mask. He was pulling his hair out. I didn't know who he was. I wasn't a big into the WCW properly. I did watch the matches, but I wasn't into knowing who Cactus Jack was at least or Mick Foley properly. And at this point, he come in and he had this menacing sort of... Uh, he sounded slightly like Paul Bearer, the way he talked. It was all that sort of half-upset, crying, schizophrenic guy. And he just come in and just totally buried The Undertaker. And he was after him loads of times, interfering in Undertaker's matches. They'd had a buried alive casket match. Undertaker won, but a guy called Executioner come down with several other wrestlers who buried The Undertaker alive. And I'm putting that in you know, quotation marks, guys. They didn't bury him alive, but, you know, it was part of the storyline. The Undertaker went out of it. So it was one of these where it was an unbelievable situation where this just went on and on and on with them. And then it culminated in a match at Survivor Series in 1998 where they had a 20-foot ring around it, 20-foot cage around the ring. Paul Bearer turned face on... Uh, turned heel on Undertaker. He was now with Mankind. He was all to and fro, and the Undertaker was basically on his own. So Mankind and this, he just set up a great feud between them. I mean, Mick Foley's probably about a foot smaller than Undertaker, but it was all believable. It was watchable. You could get into it. You could believe what was going on. And it was fantastic to watch unfold as a storyline, something that in this day and age, you just they just don't tell the stories to make you invested in it. And that's where I think... The problem is with today's wrestling, but around 98 was when WWE and the Attitude Era was at its best. So, match starts off, Mick Foley goes to the top of the cell. What had happened was the prop guys had actually put tie wraps around the ring and around the cage so that when they actually walked on it, because of obviously The Undertaker's six foot nine and over 300 and some pounds, so he's about 22 stone, and Mick Foley was about 17, 18 stone, that, that some of the tie wraps had actually give way. There was no intention for them to actually give way, so the actual cage fell from the top. But as we tr transpired, certain things happened within the match. Now, what happened was... Both wrestlers start fighting on top of the cage. It was the first real cage. We'd had a cage match where it's Undertaker v. Shawn Michaels, and that was a great match. But this was the proper, like, defining moment for cage matches. And they're both fighting on top of it, brawling, to and fro, to and fro in. And then under this is not far into the match, to be fair, but the Undertaker throws. He grabs Mick Foley and runs with him and throws him onto the Spanish announcer's table. Now, this is, you know, this is... 20 foot in the air 
Now, the thing that made it worse was Jim Ross was commentating with Jerry Lawler, and Jim Ross's commentary, and please forgive me for this impression, but it said, good God almighty, good God almighty, they killed him, as God is my witness, he's broken in half. Apologies, guys, but there you go, you get the picture, but you know, Jim Ross could sell anything with that comedy. He was fantastic. And obviously, Jerry Lawler says stuff like, he's dead, he's dead. And in the back, Terry Funk, he was a good friend of Mick Foley, actually came out the doctors. Vince McMahon broke character. The story at the time, Vince McMahon hated Foley and Mankind, but he'd come out, they got a stretcher, they wheeled him out the arena, genuinely, he'd broken ribs and everything. But then moments later, Foley gets up off the stretcher and carries on and he goes straight to, you know, he's actually concussed at the time, they actually said afterwards. He goes straight to the top of the cage and they start fighting again. And this is where I was saying about the tie wraps and the, the, the ceiling of the cage started sort of giving way, but it was designed not to give way. Anyway, one of the moves they were going to do was the Undertaker was going to choke slam. Mankind onto the cage, but it wasn't going to give way. Well, it did give way. So Mick Foley not only once went 20 foot over onto an announcer, but this time he went straight down on his back. Now, when they do wrestling, it's, in my old man used to do judo, I've done a bit of judo MMA, as, as I mentioned before. You've got to fall on your elbows. You've got to fall down on your elbows and that takes the impact. It takes the impact off your spine. It takes the impact off your back. And that's exactly what you should fall. But it still hurts. But it just stops that sort of whiplash effect. It stops any long-lasting injury. And, and that's how he fell. Now, Mick Foley just went down. He wasn't expecting it. It was totally unprepared. And he hit the deck. And again, the, the, the give way. And Terry Funk was there. All he, uh, were there. He, he just... Didn't take it properly. As he said, the only reason he survived the fall was because he didn't take it properly. If he took a proper bump, he actually say he would have dead. He would have been dead. Now, it was weird. And Undertaker actually said afterwards that he was so worried that the fall he was dead. His eyes were in the back of his head. But as a spectacle, it was unbelievable. And it's replayed over and over again on the WWE Network, YouTube, anything to do with wrestling, Mick Foley. That is his defining moment within his career and in some respects the Undertaker the Undertaker's done a lot of stuff and he's still going strong a lot of his matches recently you know they've been fantastic but there's, there's certain things in the 90s that he did that were just unbelievable now what made this worse was after the match had finished and Foley lost it he was he was just beyond doing anything he was totally exhausted his body was gone Foley's been carried to the back on a stretch of that but he's laughing so he's lost the tooth, he's bleeding around his mouth, his nose, he'd been knocked out during the match, been struck by a chair as well, he dislocated his jaw, and it continued the game match, and they took him to the back again. He comes back again, Undertaker then choke slams him in the ring onto a load of thumbtacks, and he and he was totally gone. The Undertaker did the tombstone, match ended. Now, after the match, which was really bizarre, Stone Cold Steve Austin was fighting. Austin was fighting. Kane in her first blood match and Kane won the match. It's not, and what happened was Foley then comes out to go against, you know, Steve Austin. And they were actually saying to him, the back, what are you doing? You, you know, he was totally gone. 
And then people, but the, what happened here was it defined Mick Foley because people absolutely loved him and he's, he's never said that attitude. The fact that he was prepared to run through walls for the show and for the fans and, and it turned him completely on its head. And what's a total era defining moment in wrestling and fantastic. And if you get a chance, get on YouTube, guys. Undertaker v Mankind, Hell in the Cell, and you will not be disappointed. Just for, no matter what people say about wrestling, with it being fake, pre-scripted, them guys have still got to take them bumps. And that bump, or two bumps he took, were unbelievable. And, and even to this day, he does DDP yoga now, like I do. And and he said, he said, if it wasn't for that, he couldn't walk. His knees were gone, his back, his shoulders. He had so many problems after that match. And just amazing to watch what he did because Ric Flair didn't give him a lot of credit for you. He just called him a glorified stuntman. But some of the stuff he took and the way he fell was amazing. So if you get on that, please, guys, get on it. Hell in a cell. You will not be disappointed. Right, so MMA-wise, Bellator. First time on Sky Sports, new contracts. They're going to show some events throughout the year. We know Channel 5 is, as I mentioned last week. What a poor show. If you were a casual MMA fan who'd recorded that and got up on Saturday morning or uh, Sunday morning or you'd, you'd stayed up to watch it, it was an awful event. Now, Bellator's known for taking a lot of the ex uh, and it's a WWE then, the ex-UFC fighters who are on the way down and they build them back up. Now, I'm not going to bore you with every match. The actual undercard was better for Bellator than the actual main card. But one of the ones was Czech Congo was fighting against this unbeaten fighter. Terrible. Czech Congo was a guy who was in the UFC. He was a heavyweight, bit of a journeyman. He'd had a few good fights, but he was, he, towards the end, he was just getting knocked out completely. The only thing that he's defined for was he, he beat a guy called Pat Barry. Pat Barry was knocking him over, over and over and over in this fight. And from nowhere, wobbly legs, his back had gone, his legs had gone. He pulls an uppercut out and knocks Pat Barry out. It's actually a really, really good round. It's like one round of just carnage. And that was about, it's probably about eight or nine years ago now in the UFC. But he's moved to, to Bellator. He's won like eight matches in a row, but he's just like a journeyman fighter. He's notable Notoriety is more than anything. Is the fact that he changed with Quentin Rampage Jackson, and they've been good friends for years. So yeah, it wasn't fantastic. The guy he fought was a Russian heavyweight. He was undefeated. Called Vitaly Minikov. Minikov was just looking for an overhand right all the time because he knew Congo hasn't got a chin, but he just couldn't land it, and it was a pretty rubbish fight. But Congo actually won. I don't know how because he was on the back foot. Minikov was the aggressor, so it was just a terrible fight. Other than the last 20 seconds when Congo was all over him and Minikov had run out of gas, I don't know how they scored that result. But anyway, Congo is now calling out Ryan Bader, who won the heavyweight tournament a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago, I mentioned it on the show. He's the heavyweight and light heavyweight champion Bellator. But Bader will just dismantle him. It was just a, a poor three-round fight. The next one was Mirko Krokop. V. Roy Nelson. Roy Nelson's the big guy. He, he plays on the fact that he's out of shape. He's got a big belly. He's got a big mullet with a beard. He's a proper American deep south. He calls himself a redneck, so I'm not speaking out, out of turn. And it's just, it was a poor fight. Nelson's just full of power. Crocop was the man years ago. That left hit, uh, head kick he used to do, fantastic. He'd won stuff in Pride years ago, UFC, but he's also had the last few years a bit of a showreel of knockouts against him. But this time, he looked like he'd been saying his vitamins, shall we say. 
Yes, you know exactly what I mean. And he looked massive, but the fight was terrible. It just looked like two blokes fighting in a pub, and that's awful to say. But again, as I, I, I was cringing as a fan of MMA and knowing the technicalities of the fights, knowing that it's not just about going in there and blowing people away. Sky really, really could have done with this being an absolute barnstormer of knockout submissions, proper... MMA, but it wasn't. They were just really boring fights, and this was won by Crocop. But again, I just wasn't that bothered. I wasn't invested in it. Now, the main event was Michael Venom Page versus Paul Daly, two English guys who've got a bit of beef. It's probably all been created for the fight, and it wasn't in the UK, which was a shame, really. But they fought against each other. Now, Michael Venom Page is huge. He's about 6'2", 6'3", very wiry, very skinny, long legs, long arms. He's got very much a karate stance. Paul Daly's a brawler from Nottingham. I mentioned it last week. He, he was in Dan Hardy's training camp for years, the training partners. Dan Hardy was the ex-USC contender who's now as a commentator on the UFC. And it was terrible the first round. I mean, Paul Daly's got about four inches less than... MVP, and it showed. They ran round in circles. I think uh, Venom Page got a couple of front kicks in on him to his head, a couple of digs here and there. Daly didn't throw a punch. He just was circling him. He was on the outside against the cage, backed up, circling from left to right, right to left. Oh, it was terrible. The crowd were booing. This went on pretty much for the whole five rounds. Daly got him down a couple of times, genuinely did get him down and, and got his legs, but didn't do anything. There was at one point where you thought Daly might... I actually thought Daly won the fight because of him getting him down, but he didn't do much. Then Venom Page got him in the last round. As they went down, he actually got him in a chokehold, but he just couldn't choke him out. But it was awful. Now, Venom Page won the fight and was raving on, he's undefeated. But if anyone he goes to, if you thought anyone from the UFC moved across, he'd get sparkled. It was a terrible fight. Daly showed his age here, which was a disappointment because he's a knockout artist. So for me, as an event, it was like a four out of 10. It was terrible. It was just so bad for Sky. And I felt for him completely. It just was not the event or the platform to show off Bellator, and it probably would have turned people off who were not purists like myself, who just, you know, I've watched the, the MMA stuff since the mid to late 90s. It's just a shame, really. A shame. If you get to watch it, watch it, see what you think. If you think I'm wrong, then please contact the show. But there was a lot of pre-Sky events on it, like the, the undercard and that, that weren't shown on Sky, and they were really good. Some good knockouts, some good victories, some good submissions. It's just the main card was terrible. It was just too technical and too boring in the end. It really was. Nobody wanted to commit... Uh, shame, really. Now, also on this weekend, which was on Sunday night, was the UFC Phoenix. And I won't go into all the other matches because there's not really anything to note, really. But the main event was Francis Ngannou, who's the knockout artist, Senegalese, French descent. He was on an absolute wrecking train. If anyone saw his knockout from about 18 months ago, a year ago, of fantastic. Then he went into a title fight with the champ at the time, for the belt, everyone thought he was going to take out Stipe Miocic. Stipe weathered the storm for about a minute and then absolutely wrestled him 101. I mean, proper took him down. Ngannou had no wrestling. He's 36 years old. He's not going to start wrestling out. I mean, Ngannou's got power. He's unbelievable. Apparently, on the punch machines that they have, these proper technical machines at the USC, he hits harder than even the best heavyweight boxers. 
different angles, obviously, because you're at a different stance, but his actual power, his natural power is unbelievable. Uh, wrecking run of fights, and then Stipe just took him down. He'd had a couple of rubbish fights. Then he fought against Curtis Blade, who he'd beat before. He beat him, knocked him out in a minute, and then he was up against Cain Velasquez. Now, Cain Velasquez is the guy who beat Brock Lesnar for the title about when Brock Lesnar sort of retired from the UFC last time. It's a fight that Velasquez is a wrestler, Brock's a wrestler. Brock went in like a bull in a china shop, knees, punches, went after him, couldn't finish him, and then in the end, Velasquez just took him out completely. But whereas this one, Cain Velasquez is a great boxer, he's a great wrestler, he's a fantastic wrestler. All-round guy, Daniel Cormier is his best mate. They trained together for years. He said, like, Kane is better than me. I would never fight a heavyweight, but he's obviously the heavyweight champ. Fight starts off. Velasquez starts going in very reckless. He's not fought for about 18 months. Comes in, starts sort of throwing bombs, throwing this anyway. Next minute, from nowhere, and Gano's backs up against the, the cage. He just throws an uppercut and then a right cross, a real short, sharp one. Kane's just flops. He's about to go down. As he goes down, his knees go. You're feeling wincid. So it looks like his knees gone. And that's why he's one name. And Gano's on top of him, just pummeling him and beats him within a minute. But when you watch it again, it wasn't. He did an uppercut and a quick right. Unbelievable power. No real back, back lift to his punches. He didn't really spin his hips or his shoulders, but he just dropped him. And then Gano again, he's straight on for a title shot. And I think he's going to fight against Cormier, which is Kane's mate. And I think he needs it now. He deserves it. Since he's Stipe lost, he's deserved. I think he should fight Stipe again and just take him out. So I think he will take Stipe out. But great fight. Now that main event alone is what Bellator and Sky Sports were calling for. This was at UFC stuff on BT, which is, again is a shame because I'm watching it this morning. I'm up so early for work. I, I'm watching it work. I'm up at like uh, quarter four. So I actually watched it live when it happened. But yeah, it was a great, great battle. Round to boxing. A couple of things this weekend. I know we were a bit short last week on boxing stuff. James DeGale v Chris Eubank Jr. is on, on Saturday night. I think James DeGale is going to win. It's on ITV box office again. I'm not too sure about the box office. I'm, I really don't agree with that. But they're going to fight. I do think DeGale will win if DeGale does lose because Eubank Jr. is actually a blown-up middleweight. He's not a super middleweight like DeGale is. I think DeGale, if he does lose, will actually announce his retirement. So we'll keep you... Well, keep your ear to ground on that one. That'll be on Saturday night, normal UK time. So they should be ring walking about 10 o'clock. Then a bit of news as well coming out. Anthony Joshua's camp has announced his next fight in June against Big Baby Miller, who's not lost a fight. But there has been rumours online that Miller had been sparring with Anthony Joshua in the past and Anthony Joshua in one sparring session alone of a few rounds had actually dropped him seven times. So... Even though he's undefeated, I've got a feeling that Joshua's just using this as a showcase for himself. And then hopefully it's a prelude to the winner of Fury and Deontay Wilder. So let's see how that goes. Well, that's in June for Joshua. I just hope he becomes a bit more humble because I'm not really liking his attitude at the moment, I'll be honest with you. It's just a shame because I've always been an AJ fan. And also coming out of... Tyson Fury's camp, he's not actually on social media, he's took himself off there for the time being, but it's been announced through his official Twitter account, which obviously his management must be policing, that he's signed with ESPN now over in America, so he's got a multi-fight deal, which is fantastic. The only problem is, if he does beat Deontay Wilder, it's going to cause big problems for his fight with Anthony Joshua. So I'm not sure what's going on there, but 
one of the things still talked about, whatever happens with Deontay Wilder, there will be a fight against Anthony Joshua. So I'd love to see it, I've got to say. It's absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, that's it this week, guys, for boxing. Big thanks, as always. Just want to get a couple of plugs in there. Tuesday night, 7 till 8 p.m. on Indie Rocks, again, is my other show, Comics in Motion, with my great friend Dave Horitz, where we review comic book-based media. Last week's episode, we reviewed the 1977 Spider-Man, which was absolutely a classically awful film. But again, we had some good laughs, so I'll get onto that with some good indie tunes. If you want to follow the show, it's at Comics in Motion P on Twitter. And also there is as well an extended podcast, which is where we, me and Dave are from. You know, I'm from Manchester. Dave lived in Manchester for years, but our podcast, Comics in Motion, is where the shows come from. So that's exactly what we do. So it goes a bit more in depth. There's no music on it. It's just me and Dave just breaking down the film itself with a bit of added spice and a bit more chat, maybe sort of different scenes throughout the film. So get over there, guys, at Comics in Motion Podcasts on all your podcast holders and sites. If you want to get in contact with me, at Chris Phelps 78 as I mentioned at the top of the show on Twitter. I've been Chris Phelps. This has been Indie Combat again. Take care. And when that bell rings at the end of this song, it's all over till next week. See you guys. Bye.